right, so um, Sunday, if you were with us, uh, you know that we looked at Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 16 through 23, uh, and I preached that particular passage under the, the title, Live and Be Free. Uh, in Christ, uh, the, Paul was encouraging us, because we are in Christ, not to be uh, enslaved by the shadows, those things in the Old Testament that were just sketches of the reality of what has come in Christ. Uh, not to be enslaved by the law, which was uh, a tutor for us, pointing us to Christ, but could not save us. So again, it, it belongs to that sort of shadowy idea. Uh, and he encouraged us not to, to be enslaved by any sort of man-made religion. So you remember the Colossians have these uh, false teachers that have come among them uh, and are trying to get them to follow things other than the gospel that they've heard. And so the, the thrust of what Paul was saying to us is don't go back to uh, or don't be fooled by those things that cannot save you or that at least apart from Christ cannot benefit you. And I say apart from Christ because again, the law does have some benefit to us as believers. As the law of God, it is the best way for us to live. But apart from Christ, it cannot have that benefit for us, okay? And so, don't go back to those things. We, we have been given in Christ freedom from the world we saw, from death, and from sin, okay? So, what we are not espousing as Christians is a Jesus plus sort of religion, even though that's often, whether we mean to or not, that's sort of what we're living under. Uh, but it's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus Christ alone who saves us, okay? Um, so I, I ended Sunday by saying, go out and live and be free. Now, that's absolutely what I meant to say. And what I'm not doing today, at least in terms of what Paul said to us in Colossians, in terms of salvation, I am not in any means walking that back, okay? I want you to leave today and go out and live and be free, at least to the extent that you will not be enslaved by former things, by sin, by things that cannot save you solely and fully rest in Christ and in Him alone, okay? That's the thrust, that's, that's true, and I'm not going back on that. But what I do want to give us today uh, is what I hope will be certainly a necessary reminder, uh, but also a helpful one in terms of that word freedom, okay? Um. You know, we hear freedom, uh, what we often call in theological terms Christian liberties, and our hearts within us kind of leap, and we say, yeah, that's right, I've got Christian liberties, and yeah, that's right, I've got Christian freedoms, and particularly as Americans and as Southerners, maybe more as Southerners, we like that, and our hearts want to cling to those things desperately, like even now, as I say the term Christian liberty, I can feel in my own heart like this tug to say, okay, 
I'm going to wrap my hands around whatever that thing may be, and I'm not going to let it go, okay? And again, there is some amount of truth to that. So I want to read to you. We're going to read a lot from 1 Corinthians tonight, but I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Paul says, you remember... Uh, part of the challenge to the Corinthians is they are eating food that is being sacrificed to idols. And there's some amount of dispute over whether that's legal for them to do or not, okay? Some people are saying it is, and some people are saying it's not. And I want you to hear what Paul says. This is a matter of Christian liberty, okay? He says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Okay. Then, if you flip over to chapter 10, and in verse 25, he says this, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. He goes on to say in the second half of verse 29, For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? Okay? So again... He is affirming Christian liberty. He's saying that this is a real thing. In Christ, we have been set free from things that are outside of Scripture. So let me try to give you some modern-day examples of things that are debated as issues of Christian liberty, okay? Now... When I say these to you, I am not in any way at this point saying to you where I stand or where we as a church stand or anything like that. I'm just putting them out there, okay? So, like issue of homeschool and public school. So in some churches, this is a big deal, okay? And some churches will try to bind you to one way or the other. It has to be this way. It's a matter of Christian liberty. Um, Entertainment. In general, sports in general. How how far do we go with that? What is proper for us to watch and view and take in as Christians? To some degree or another, that's an issue of Christian liberty. What clothing should we wear? How appropriate or not appropriate? You know, but what, where's the line there? Christian liberty. Uh, contraception. It's a matter of, particularly in religious circles, Christian religious circles, it's a matter of Christian liberty. Again, not, you got where I'm coming from. Um, parachurch organizations in general, uh, and then even things like Sunday school, um, youth camps, youth trips, all of those things at some point or another have been debated and have fallen down on the side of Christian liberty. One big one. So smoking and alcohol, to whatever degree, there's a line there with those things, but they are matters of Christian liberty, okay? So I'm just trying to get all of that out in front of you. And I say to some degree or another, those are matters of Christian liberty because obviously 
in terms of clothing or entertainment or smoking and alcohol. There's a line where it goes beyond what is biblical, okay? Uh, But until you reach that line, there is a matter of liberty in there, okay? Now, last week we said that we, or Sunday, we said we can't impose on others things that are unbiblical or against doctrine or against their conscience. Biblically, the Bible says we can't do that. But on the other hand, and this is where I'm trying to get us to today, finally, when I say something like live and be free, we begin to think, well, no one under no circumstances will ever take these liberties from me. There is no point where I'm going to willingly give this up. Okay? And I think I can watch this show no matter who may be around, no matter what they may say, I will watch it. Um, again, a matter that seems to often define us as Presbyterians. We ourselves, and particularly those out in the world, we rightly recognize the proper use of alcohol, okay? Hear what I just said. We rightly recognize the proper use of it. We recognize that the Bible does not prohibit it in moderation. But we often think, wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm going to partake. It's a matter of Christian liberty, so no one can take that from me. And my question to you tonight is, is that right? Is that the right attitude for us to have as Christians? All right, so three, three things, three passages that I just want to briefly turn to that I think will give us the answer to that question, okay? So the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it's in verse 12. Just one sentence, one verse. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. He's, he's having this argument that we're having right now. And he says, all things are lawful for me. He, again, he recognizes that there is liberty for him. But, and those are, that's a key word always, but not all things are helpful. He goes on to say, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Did you hear what he said there? He affirms Christian liberty. In fact, it, it seems that it has become a slogan for the Corinthian church. That, that saying, all things are lawful for me. It seems like it's something that they are taking up and they are using out in the world. But he says, yes, you do have freedom. You do have liberty. But depending on your particular struggles, depending on your particular sin... Uh, what the thing is that, that may um, how these things may affect you, uh, this, whatever this particular liberty you are taking is, it may not be helpful or beneficial to you physically, spiritually, or otherwise. It may not be good for you in this particular case to exercise your Christian freedom. Some things, and it's different for all of us, 
are more prone to dominate us than other things. Something you know your own sin. Some things are more prone to jump on our backs and not let go than other things. So, for example, there may be a particular TV show, a popular TV show that you enjoy watching, and it is maybe you feel like it is within your Christian liberty to watch that show, but. That show has themes or scenes or subjects that you know will either lead you into sin or will ensnare you. So should you watch it simply because you have the liberty to do so? It's a rhetorical question. I won't ask you won't have to, we're recording, so you won't have to answer. Alright, what about another example? What about our Christian liberty? We've, I'm going to keep bringing this up, but our Christian liberty with alcohol. Maybe for, for health reasons. Maybe for our own predispositions. Maybe for our self-control. Uh, drinking is not the best thing for me particularly. And so should I do it simply because I have the right to do it? Maybe I shouldn't. My, my point is, and Paul's point is, is we need to be careful with Christian liberties for ourselves. Uh, yes, we should by all means exercise those freedoms if we can. But, again, I would 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink, and this is kind of the conclusion to this whole section, he says whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Okay? Um, our freedoms may hurt us. And so we need to live for His glory, not just for our freedoms. All right? So, first, um, it may hurt us. But then, secondly, we got to consider our Christian freedoms and others. Okay? Uh, so, chapter 10 and in verse 20, 23, he says. All things are lawful. It's almost the same sentence as earlier. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. In other words, here he's, he's referring to the, the edification, the building up of God's people. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 24, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market. So this is, we're getting back to that section that we've already read. So before he says, eat whatever is sold, go to your neighbor's house and eat, he says, beware that you need to look out for the good of your neighbor. He says uh, in verse 28, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. He says, I do not mean your conscience, but his for the conscience of the other person, do not eat it. And so for others, we need to reconsider our own liberty. Because we can put them in danger, okay? We can put other people in danger as we exercise our own liberties here, okay? And we can do it for several reasons. One... Back in chapter 8 and verse 7, he says that, uh, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. In other words, 
Not everybody knows the, the things about Christian liberties that you may know. They, they have had different experiences in life. They have dealt with these things differently. And so for them to see you partake, it, it may cause them to uh, stumble. It may cause them to fall into sin. And that's the, the second thing that I wanted to point out there is we consider our own liberty in terms of other people. The Bible tells us over and over and over again not to be a stumbling block to other people, okay? So, again, back in chapter 8, verses 8 through 12, he said, Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But, in verse 9, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person, and hear this word, verse 11, and we'll start from the beginning, and by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother from whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. You turn over to Romans chapter 14. He, he almost has the exact same argument. Uh, he says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one from whom Christ died. So again, the point is, what we do has a direct effect on our brothers and sisters in Christ. One last time, the the alcohol issue. It is lawful for us in moderation. But what are we saying to that person who is sitting next to us? What are we saying to that person who is, sees us out? What if they see us and they go against their conscience? What if they see us uh, and they go against what's good for them? Remember that verse 11 and 12. They are destroyed, right? Um, more than that, uh, what are we saying to that person in terms of our care for them, right? We don't care what you struggle with. We don't care what you've experienced, right? I'm going to do this because I want to do it anyway. And again, that's just the, the easiest example that I could come up with, okay? Because it's one that is we get a hard time for anyway. Um, so I'm not just picking on that one, but it is one that we need to think about. All of these are ones that we need to think about. So friends, let me remind you, what's, what's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so our Christian liberty is not more important than our brothers and sisters, right? Actually, our Christian liberty probably is way down the line here. Like God, our neighbors, and Christian liberty is down the list, but it's somewhere way down the list. It's not close to the top, okay? Finally, thirdly, um, so, 
since you have Christian freedom, because you do, or maybe though you do, I want to say to you tonight to wield it carefully. Um, Wield it carefully for yourself. Wield it carefully, particularly for others. Um, There may come a point, actually more times than not, we may need to be like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is where we'll end. Remember in that chapter, he says at the very beginning, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? So he's just going to list all these things for us. He, he has heard God's command to him directly from God's mouth. He says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? Basically, am I not your spiritual father? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Basically, this is the same argument that he makes in Philippians 3. If anybody is free, it is Paul. But then he goes on to say, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any provision from you. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground of boasting. In short, Paul is saying, yes, I have Christian liberty. Yes, I have rights. But I'm, I set them all aside for the sake of other people, for the sake of those that I'm ministering to. He willingly sets aside his Christian liberty in order to win and to teach and to present others mature in Christ. So our liberty is important, but it's not supreme, okay? Now look, I recognize that that's, that's not easy for any of us. It's not easy for me. And it's not necessarily pleasant. But once again, I want you to consider the source of all of this. And this is where we ended Sunday, but we'll end here again. Why is it that Paul lives that way? How is it that he's able to set aside his rights? Well, if you turn back, or other way, to Philippians chapter 2, what does he say there about Jesus? He says, humble yourselves. Think of others more highly than you think of yourself. Set aside your rights, but do it. Why? Have this mind that's in yourself, that's in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But He emptied Himself. He became a servant. He became a slave. He, in other words, He had the rights of God. He was God in the flesh. And yet he set those rights aside in order to do what? To be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that we who did not deserve it, so that we who were the weaker brothers might be redeemed. We might be saved. And so Paul, in setting aside his rights, is doing no more than following his Savior. And friends, that's what I want to encourage us to do tonight. That's the whole reason why I just said, however long I've been talking, 25 minutes, 
was to say to you tonight, in terms of your Christian liberty, go out and be free, but do not forget that you go out and you be free in Jesus, in Christ. And take that for all that it's worth. That means, yes, you are truly free, but in Him, He may call you to set those rights aside for His sake or for the sake of those whom He loves. Don't stand on our freedoms despite what Jesus has said to us. Let's pray together. Father God, as we think about these things, um, they are heavy and they are difficult and they are um, not uh, pleasant for us in the sense that, that we like to cling to these rights that we see and we like to hold on to them dearly. If our conscience is not affected, then we think, well, we can go out and we can do it. Uh, but Lord, you call us to do what is best not only for us, but what is best for our brothers and our sisters. And so we thank you today that you have given us freedom in Christ, that we are free from sin, free from the world, free from the, the works of the law, and that no man... Uh, can bind our conscience with anything outside of these words that you have given to us. Uh, and yet, Father, you have also placed so many people in our paths, people who struggle with various things. We ourselves struggle with various things. Uh, and so as we use this liberty that you've given us, uh, I pray that you would give us clarity of mind and give us uh, strength to love others more than we love ourselves. Uh, strength to love others more than we love our freedom. Uh, Lord, help us to remember that we have been bought by Jesus, who is the example of this, who is our Savior. Uh, he gave His all for us. He, he let go of His rights so that we might be saved. And so, Lord, You're calling us to follow in His steps, uh, and we ask that You would help us to do that. We're not going to do it on our own, our hearts are always going to cling to those things. So God, give us strength, uh, give us wisdom, and encourage us in these things. Uh, Lord, we, we certainly thank you and praise you uh, for the way that we see you working in the lives of so many that we've been praying for for so long, and we pray that you would continue to do that. Uh, Lord, bless these who are sick, bless these that we've mentioned, uh, bless those who are mourning the loss of loved ones even now. Uh, and Father, we pray that, that you would be with our nation, be with our country, uh, be with those who are taking the gospel out in, in various places. Uh, and Lord, now as we, we leave here, we pray that you would go with us and go before us. We thank you for the time that we've had, and we pray that you would bless it, uh, bless the food that we've eaten to the nourishment of our bodies. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.